2: like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
3: Right now, I do believe that Black women are, um, are really having a very special renaissance, something that I've never seen, certainly not in my lifetime. It's our time right now. It's really, you know, like for young women, I'm so excited for them because it's coming so early in their life. But we just really have never seen a time like this, you know? Historically, Black women were really left out of the the feminist movement. We've allowed a lot of other people to go first because that's our nature. Somehow the memo got out and Black women said, it's our time now. We're unafraid, we're bold, we're ready to do it. There's something to the way Black women speak. It's very intentional. It's very direct. It lets people know what the assignment is.
0: Welcome. You are tuned into Monuments to Me, brought to you by Revolt. This podcast is a space for honest and relevant conversations meant
1: to recharge Black women and inspire you on your journey.
0: We're your hosts, Akila, Friend and Ty McRae, and each week we'll be addressing a range of topics from self-care, entrepreneurship, to politics and relationships. Join us as we explore the ups and downs and bask in the joys of Black womanhood. Black women and those who love Black women, welcome back to this protected space. This is Monuments to Me, brought to you by Revolt. We're your host, I'm Akilah. I'm Ty McRae. And we are today joined by Monique Chenault, who is just a powerhouse in more ways than one. <laughs> and She would definitely tell you herself. Monique, welcome to Monuments to Me. Uh, thank you so much
3: for having me. I'm Monique Chenault, and I'm the president of Revolt Black News and Revolt Studios Atlanta.
0: Yes, I was getting ready to say, Monique, I was going to say, welcome to the BGS house. And that's not where we're at today. <laughs> so, so for those who don't know, Monique is the creator of Revolt Black Girl Stuff. And I mean, I can just hyphenate her name so many ways because she does so many things in such li- limited time. We used to say, or, or I used to say, how does Beyonce do what she does in 24 hours? But now it's, how does Monique does what she does in 24 hours? So this whole podcast series so far between Ty and myself has been just kind Of interviewing different black women, talking about things that are related to black women, self care, financial literacy, just owning themselves, owning their businesses, owning their emotions. And now we kind of were thinking, let's bring it home a bit because Revolt is doing so much when it comes to black women as well. And obviously, as a leader in the cultural space and the media space we needed to toot our own horn when it comes to Revolt a little bit because obviously we're a part of it with this podcast. So with that, let's get right into it about how Revolt is intentionally winning with Black women and the key word here being intentionally. So, Well, Akila, I know that you know
1: Monique, but so many of our listeners probably don't know her full bio. And she's been in the game for over two decades, four Emmy nominations. I'm not going to do the entire biojustice. So Monique, can you tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself?
3: Well, you know, I started in this business like 25 years ago. (laughs) Um, I took the stairs. I started in news, in local news, right out of J school. I always tell people that if you can do the news, you can probably do anything. Not really liking being confined, I immediately started looking at different kinds of formats. And at first it was, you know, more investigative journalism, which allows a little bit more storytelling, getting into the doc space, you know, the talk space, and not before long, I have produced, you know, every every genre or every format in nonfiction programming, right? So I consider myself a little bit of a nonfiction programming specialist, mixing it up, doing, you know, discussion, conversation, news, opinion, documentary. And one of the great things about Revolt is that it lets me do all of those things, right? So, you know, the trajectory here has been, you know, full, or I should say the journey here has been full of so many different kinds of programming, targeting so many different kinds of audiences. But this is the first time that I have really been able to create, cultivate, curate programming, especially for a Black audience. And that is really, really special.
0: That's amazing. What is it about nonfiction programming that caught your eye in the first place? Because there's so many lanes that you could have gone, especially right out of J school, but you decided to, as you said, take the stairs and take the stairs in this capacity.
3: Well, you know, I mean, I wanted to be a journalist ever since I was, I don't know, maybe nine or 10 years old, right? I love the facts, the truth, the undisputable empirical data, right? But then what informs the facts? How do we get here? that's where you get into the story of it all. But nonfiction to me is just, it's the purest form of programming because it's just, it's rooted in the truth or at least the pursuit of it. That's the part that always resonates with me is that we're always trying to get to the root of it. I'm noticing
1: that with Revolt, you said you get to do all of the nonfiction programming that's under your belt. But Revolt is also putting a stake in the ground and focusing on Black women and telling the stories of Black women. Tell us more about that decision and what you've been able to do.
3: You know, one of the things that attracted me to Revolt was that they were very transparent and candid in realizing that the women had been a little bit left out of the revolution. And it was my number one request is that, can well, can I bring them here, right? And so I think that... We have been very intentional in trying to figure out how do we celebrate that with the good, the bad, the ugly, everything that women want to sort of discuss, where they think their voice has been silenced or at least not amplified enough. And I think the nonfiction space is like, honestly, the best place to get started when it comes to that. Right now, I I do believe that Black women are... um, are really having a very special renaissance something that I've never seen certainly not in my lifetime and it's our time right now it's really you know like for young women I'm so excited for them because it's coming so early in their life but we just really have never seen a time like this you know historically black women were really left out of the the feminist movement for reasons that are too plenteous for us to discuss. In this <laughs>
0: <laughs> we, we make the but, time. We uh, do make the time. <laughs> right, right.
3: <laughs> but, and then, you know, other, you know, we've allowed a lot of other people to go first because that's our nature, right? There is a protectiveness that I think that black women have for black men that is unique to us. And so again, we can be very generous in shining the light on others, But I think somehow the memo got got out and Black women said, it's our time now, you know, and we have all collectively decided, yeah, it is, you know. And to see this kind of Black female solidarity, this coming together to support one another and seeing it really works, you know, we saw it work for others, now it's going to work for us. It's a really special time. Right now we're unafraid, we're bold, we're ready to do it. And not in a space where we're trying to be super women, but we're trying to be just real women telling, Hey, listen, meet us where we are, but we're not, we're, we're not going anywhere. That's amazing. So if now is the time and revolt
1: is going to be a part of that, what should listeners expect from Revolt? What's next?
3: Well, we're taking black girl stuff, many places <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's, you know, right now it's just sort of a television show. Obviously we're on our, our social and digital platforms, but I'm excited about moving into an experiential space where we really take our co-hosts on the road and able to speak to women in a more intimate, in-person format. Really, really excited about that. There are things that we're doing, you know, just even within our company. So we, we, are, so we really move together as a force because there's so many talented Black women from all different walks of life that just are in the revolt nation. And then, you know, as we enter the documentary space, which we're doing in 2023, the Black female voice and Black female stories, many of them that have are unsung or haven't been heard, uncovered, we're really embracing that and trying to spread the word about a lot of that Black female excellence, things that we've done in history, things that are important to us right now. That's a big part of our documentary space. And then, you know, really across all of our verticals, we just want to make sure that women are represented. So whether it be Black love, whether it be, you know, revolt in spirit, whether it be revolt in sports, it's really important that we have equal representation. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
0: Yeah, I, I love it. And I and I agree with what you were saying, too, about it being kind of a renaissance moment. I don't know exactly why now, but I'm not complaining either, right? <laughs> do you, if you had to say why now is the time outside of the fact that, yes, because other people have had their moment, why do you think something about 2022, something about now that really just, something about you being at Revolt really created that perfect storm for now being the time where Black women are really at the center.
4: There's nothing better than feeling comfortable in your own shoes. And that doesn't mean flopping down on the couch with bunny slippers. Maybe you're a parent raising a little rock star. Or a tech nomad working from anywhere and jumping from one thing to the next. Whoever you are, Allbirds wants you to be comfortable in your actual shoes too. Their wool runners, pipers, and loungers are designed for a level of coziness that makes you feel like you can do anything. You might even forget you're wearing them. And their shoes are so stylish, they go perfectly with a wear-whatever-I-want attitude. Allbirds is all about loving Mother Nature, too, because no one wants to leave a bad footprint. Each shoe is carefully crafted from natural materials that tread lightly on our planet. From ZQ-certified merino wool to a bouncy midsole made from sweet foam, the world's first carbon-negative EVA material made from sugarcane. So get comfortable in your shoes. Get to know the wool runners, pipers, and loungers at allbirds.com. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com of your strategy.
3: You know, I think it's a long time coming. And then, you know, sort of a snowball of events and some of it not being, you know, really, you know, pretty stuff. You know, like we reached a place, a real pinnacle, a a breaking point in social justice. Black women really did lead the way. I mean, we were, if, if, if anybody is to... Get the the credit for the Black Lives Matter movement and everything, um, and no matter what you say about it, it did amplify some voices. You know, we had a lot to do that when it came down to a lot of these pivotal elections. It was the Black female voice that you know or vote that sort of carried us over. I think that you know, even coming out of the pandemic, we saw Black women step up. They were the caregivers. You know, they disseminated. They were like, "Let's stop all this and get to the facts." And so, I think that. Our nature of just being able to communicate in a really powerful, plain spoken way. Sometimes you need a little bit of lemon, sometimes a little bit of honey. That skill set is so unique. We take it for granted because it's almost genetic for us. But there was never a time more than the last few years where it was really needed. And I think that we were able to break that down. And let the nation collectively know, time's up, let's get this going. And you saw like even with the Me Too movement, it was our language that started it. And they were like, oh, everybody's gonna catch it. there's something to the way black women speak. You know, it's very intentional, it's very direct. It lets people know what the assignment is. And I think that's when we really started to get credit for that. We've been doing it a long time. But I think the recognition for it was, became undeniable during these dire circumstances.
1: I couldn't agree more. I think people don't realize how things that just become a part of the fabric of American culture started with Black women, Black femmes, Black queer communities. They just, they just think that's how it always was. And so knowing that we're so much a part of the culture, the other thing that's a part of the culture that's having a moment right now is Atlanta. And I say this as a born and bred, proud Brooklyn person. <laughs> <laughs> but what is happening in Atlanta? Revolt Studios are based there. Tell us about what the plan is there. Why is that place so important?
3: Well, you know, Atlanta, I mean, like, you can go, and the mayor was here today, in fact, because he was on the news side. He was doing some work with us. But. You know, you can go down the list of Atlanta accreditations, right? And you know, it's the it's the uh, more black owned businesses are here than any other, per capita than any other city in the country. You know, it's the production capital of the world. It's the mecca for HBCU grads. It's also a vibe. You know, you sure really do this in
0: <laughs> If anything, it's LA.
3: <laughs> yeah, because I'm an Angelina, but um, I will say this. And I and I first came to Atlanta sort of like kicking and screaming because my family's in Los Angeles and then there was nothing against the city. But I'm like, oh, wow. And then I realized when I was here that it's a it's one of the last cities that's it's a, a place of hope where anything can happen for black people, especially in Atlanta. The network that they have built in this city is I mean, I would say that it's second to none, you know, and so. This to be around all of that black progressiveness, I think, is you know incredibly inspiring. Obviously, the price point is better than LA and New York, but one of the reasons why we built we decided to build the news operation here and then our studio, our nonfiction studio, I should say, is because we felt it was most in touch with our audience and now. Listen, nobody, everybody knows how much I love Los Angeles. I'm Dodgers, Lakers, Rams, like I'm a UCLA grad, all those things. L.A. is just like, you know, it could be a thought bubble. You know, it is the city is an anomaly. There's really no place in the world quite like it. And the same could be said for New York City. Right. But I think that Atlanta um, in the southeast really represents the grassroots approach. That we need to have it revolt with keeping our finger very firmly placed on the pulse of what is important to black people, real black people, not Hollywood, not celebrities, but real black people. I'm always telling my teams, no matter what show it is, that we have to stay in touch with our audience. And I think that Atlanta affords that to us a, a lot a, a lot better than I think any other place. Yeah.
0: For sure. And I like what you're saying about being on the pulse too, because obviously we're talking about Revolt and what you all are doing or what we all are doing, I should say, when it comes to focusing in on Black women. But Revolt is a part of the media landscape. It's not the only company that's out there. Do you feel like Revolt is catching up to what other companies may have already been doing within the focusing in on Black communities? Or are we leading the charge? And if so... How are we being different? Because I think overall, a lot of companies just know, even if it's just for the numbers, that Black women are amongst the most that are watching television to begin with. So why not focus on them, even if it's not for the purest intentions?
3: Yeah. The last part, purest intentions, is is, right? Because if you work, if you spend any time, particularly in daytime television, and I probably have at this point produced like 25,000 hours of TV, Everybody knows that you have to go after the Black female demographic, particularly in in daytime where you can't win. Right. But the way they go at it is a lot of times from a very base place. Right. You could argue, yes or no, do they tend to debase Black people (laughs) in a lot of, of formats in television. The way that revolt approaches any Black demographic is always from a place of love and And when I say love, I mean love in in that a desire to uplift, inspire, enlighten, celebrate, push things forward. And I don't think you could probably say that for any other media company. You know, like we're over here rooting for Black people every day. Right. We're also here keeping everybody accountable to Black people. Sometimes there are these very serious family talks that we need to have. Sometimes there is the proverbial elephant that we need to to address. But it is always at the end getting to a better place. That's always the end, is getting to a we have a lot of fun, you know. I mean, you know, nobody could argue that um drink champs is here to Change the world <laughs> <It> makes <laughs> us laugh because we have you know it's all different kinds of programming. But I would say collectively we have a lot of checks and balances, and so it's a place of really responsible programming when it comes to, or at least that's our goal, is to have a slate of very responsible programming, and, and it applies to the um, RP and to the um, to the podcast network as well, and always making sure that there's not a deficit there which is different than you're going to get on any mainstream, you know, network or media company. I think it's timely
1: that we're having this conversation just days after MSNBC canceled the cross connection. And it's really hitting me how much if Black people don't have their own media outlets, we're always going to be at the mercy of another organization to tell us what we can and can't do. I like that Revolt takes that responsibility seriously. You focus on nonfiction how are we focusing on the news and stories, perhaps filling the space that MS and those kind of media outlets traditionally had?
3: So our approach in news is, I mean, it's probably the most different because we are basically anti the news cycle, right? We make it our business to make sure we're not following the mainstream news cycle because I don't think that they care or really know what is important to black people. There may be some crossover, but the POV is always gonna be different. Because it's not news just because, you know, CNN said it is. We already know what our news is. It's right in front of our door, right? I'm not gonna jump on a bandwagon just because everybody is following the story doesn't mean that we are. What is on our rundown could be very different than what's on anybody else's rundown. Right now we have, you know, our flagship news program. It's a weekly Revolt Black News weekly. We're hoping to that soon it will be Revolt Black News nightly. And then I'm hoping that we have a whole slate of news programming soon. We have Revolt Black News as its own channel. You know, Give me a minute. We're not there yet, but I think we're going to get there because it's, it's very much needed. You know, And that will be a place where we welcome all Black voices. The other thing that is, you know, drastically different than mainstream news media is that they really do present black people as a monolith, as if they're pretty much all the same. Well, this is the black thought. This is the black vote. This is what black people think. I mean, there's no way that we would ever believe that because, listen, no two people almost feel feel like, let alone all black people. Right. And so this is a place where we understand that. And it's the diversity of thought when it comes to all different perceptions, perspectives, POVs within our own communities, right? So there is no Black community. There are many Black communities. And whether you agree or disagree with them, everybody gets a seat at at the table. Everyone gets to voice their complaints. So we're not blue, we're not red, we're not even purple. (laughs) We are just unapologetically Black, Right. And the news is targeted to black people. Now, if you love us or you're intrigued by us or you're fetishizing us or whatever it is, you can come along and watch. But it's aimed at black people so they can see and hear of themselves and we can investigate the stories that are important to us, the issues that are important to us in keeping the people that are supposed to serve us fully accountable, whether they be black, white or other We're holding everybody's feet to the fire if you affect the lives of Black people.
2: At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting Black futures. In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Nobody gets a pass. Nobody gets
0: a pass. I almost, honestly want to say, too, <laughs> want to say too, it's really just refreshing. I think just from my standpoint, I feel like, Ty, you would agree. And if you don't, definitely let us know. But like, just being more so on the side of the talent. You know, for me coming in or both of our backgrounds are definitely more corporate working on the side of, you know, at least from my side, working in the media industry from the corporate perspective and hearing kind of sometimes helping to even orchestrate some of the strategy decks and some of the kind of proposals and how do we pitch for things or how do we say this is what our company is. And oftentimes, sometimes really having the question, is that really what it's about? And so at first, when I was hearing this, not necessarily from you, but just hearing about Revolt and and jumping to be on board, I did feel like, okay we're talking about Black people, Black women specifically. specifically love it, I don't know still what to expect. And then to really come in and for instance, I'll go from the black girl stuff perspective to come in and literally Monique's main thing is like, just X the prompter. (laughs) She's just anything that's on kind of the prompter, just don't, never mind it, go in and really be yourself. And it's been so refreshing because it's so unlike what I've experienced in all other walks of just my professional life. And so when you talk about black women and really just how to elevate black women and elevate our stories, elevate our experiences. Oftentimes, it's just by letting Black women be Black women. And I love that even though within Black Girl Stuff is for extremely different opinions, extremely different personalities, extremely different women, to be honest, we're all given the space to be ourselves. And I think that just amplifies the listeners to say, hey, I can listen to this too and listen freely, not by trying to dissect what's real and what's not. And I think on Monuments, to me, we do the same thing, right, Ty? Yeah, that's the question I get the most sometimes is how did you get this
1: opportunity because you know I wasn't a part of a media career trajectory and so I think Revolt's doing an excellent job of making sure the multiple nuances of black voices are heard and amplified and giving and that would require giving people who haven't been in the space before a chance and saying I think you have a perspective and something to say how can we work together for you to share it so that's incredible but you have a career that I mean, you've worked with much, you've worked with bigger organizations and like traditional media, we keep talking about it. And then you come to work for a company whose vision is, you know, the president, the chairman is Diddy. What is it like working for him? It sounds like you have incredible autonomy, but where are you inspired by his vision? Give us some inside
3: stories. That's (laughs) what that question was. Well, I mean, I might want you to go too inside, but I'm I'm telling you this. I started covering Sean Combs very early in my career when I left really, uh, not left, but when I started covering pop culture and entertainment after covering politics and hard news for a while, you know, it was sort of his rise, right? And he was doing just really groundbreaking things in music and media. And you knew that this guy was here to stay. You know, when you cover celebrities for a long time, you can start predicting, you know, who's going to be around and who's having a moment. You can. Absolutely. Because you're studying it, right? And so I always tell publicists, you know, like, uh, they'll get real fancy with people once they're they're having a real moment, right? Oh, they're not talking to anyone, talking to anyone. And I say, you know what? We'll see you on the other side of the red carpet because a lot of times people, you're hot, but then you're not and you'll be begging us to talk to you. It's It's a push and pull, right? With Diddy, you just knew that he was going no place but up like no place would up. A lot of people are not creative visionaries, right? And to be a creative visionary is, it's a pretty frustrating existence because people don't see what you see and you know for sure that it's coming, right? So a lot of times you're too ahead of time, like they're not ready for it yet. And so he's a creative visionary, but he always knew when to strike. And so he did things that everybody told him, well, there's no way that's going to work. But he knew that it was. And he's like right every single time. Right. He's got an incredible foresight when it comes to that. Um, so that's something when you talk about coming to a company that is as new as Revolt, you know, we're just 10 years old. When you look at other networks, you know they're they're a hundred years old, <laughs> or I should say eighty years old. With most of them, most of them came around the 50s, sixties. It's a risk because just because it's new, right? But you, when you look at who the creative visionary is behind it, you can't help but believe in it. At least for me, because I like I'm always going to bet on that. Like a person with vision, because that's something that is it's a just a, an incredibly unique talent and just most people just really don't have it, right? On top of that, he has an incredible work ethic. So when you talk about peering creative visionary plus creative vision with an incredible work ethic and the wherewithal to never take no for an answer, I mean, it, that's where you get magic. And that that is, is magical, what he does.
0: But yeah. how do you pair that with, let's say, okay, so we have the creative visionary on one side, right? Slash knowing what to strike. And then we have an actual business. And on top of that, within you, Monique, you mentioned you focus on nonfiction. So, and oftentimes that's the important issues. How do you kind of combine all three? Because I think that makes your job specifically, not only challenging, but also no one day is perhaps the same. How do you kind of fill the voice of an, a creative visionary, but also your own thoughts and your own visions as well?
3: Well, I mean, you know, it takes a while and probably just age at this point where people <laughs> start to sort of trust your gut. Right. Like there are things that I've predicted, shows that I look back that I that I pitched that people didn't want to pick up, now they're hit, they're hit shows, right? So again- It's okay to I was, name names, we friends. Was, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I was ahead of time on some things, right? But I, I already knew it was something, right? I already knew that it was something. Black girl stuff is in my mind for a lot of, lot of years, right? And no, have, have there been talk shows with black women talking before? Yes, but we're trying to create something special, right? And a lot of that is just, week to week doing the work of making sure we're hitting again, keeping the finger on the pulse. But when it comes to building something like a revolt that takes them a large part of just dissecting all of the verticals that you know are missing and knowing that you can collectively bring them together to build something that is a conglomerate. And that's really what, you know, Combs Enterprises is. Revolt is a part of Combs Enterprises, right?
1: Earlier, you said you could tell when you met talent who is going to have longevity.
3: Tell us all what is the secret sauce that you could recognize. So I was saying that, you know, a lot of it has to do with looking at the team, the system that they've built around them, right? Who were the, and, and you know, I mean, I know a lot of good managers publicists, agents and looking at the support system that someone has,
0: because
3: Anybody can sort of have a hit, but to build real longevity in this business, and it's a tough business, it's very competitive, there are no rules a lot of times, it's not nine to five, there's no hours, you are your own boss, which means that you work, you never stop working, and you have to have a team that supports you to be able to do that. And so when you see that somebody has really methodically built that group around them, and that they have the discipline and the humility to actually listen to them, even though they might not tell them everything that they want to hear. You're like, oh, yeah, they're going places. You know, they're going places. This is them. They take really good direction. And you, it does not, like, surprise me when I go, oh, they're, that, that's it. All right.
1: Note to self-listeners, build your team.
0: Build your team. So with that, actually, I mean, we're approaching this age, obviously, between the two of us, podcasters, talent, so to speak, but also we're in this day and age where everyone is their own brand, their walking brand in a sense. So, yes, we're, we know the importance of a team. How do you personally seek that key player in someone else to say, okay, yeah, you're, you're going to be a good manager, you're going to be a good publicist, you're going to be a good agent, et cetera, et cetera?
3: Do they agree with you? Right. See, you got to have people that challenge you. And a lot of times it's a very argumentative relationship. Do they get along? (laughs) Very (laughs) contentious, right? You have to have people that push you. Some of the people that I still work with, I've worked with now for over 20 years, they argue with me all the time and people go, who's the boss, right? I have respect for them because just because I may be in, you know, they report to me doesn't mean that they don't challenge me, that they don't close the door and say, listen, I want to talk to you about this. I I, I think we should go this way. You have to be able to be open to that. If you can get somebody who will disagree with you, even though you might be paying the bills, you found the right one. You get somebody who just says, yes, yes, yes. You're right. You're right. You're right. Because you're never always right. Right. And sometimes the no helps you push to a higher level. Sometimes it makes you work it out better. And they go, here's all the reasons why it won't work. And then you're going, getting rid of that reason, that reason, that reason, that reason. Because I'm not taking no for an answer. I understand everything that you're saying. I still am going to push for this intended goal, intended goal. But now I realize that the cross may be a little heavier to bear, right? I'm going to have to figure out a couple of other workarounds to get to where I'm going to need to go. And so you're not blindsided. It's really surround yourself. It's like it's, it's really a place of humility,
2: Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
3: Learn is when you come at a place of true humility.
0: Totally, totally agree with that. Especially, I, I don't know, from, let's say, even watching celebrity news sometimes. And you see the public... Demise or downfall of certain celebrities. We don't even need to name names. And oftentimes, the first thing that a lot of people say in the comments, or at least the first thing that we talk about is amongst friends, it's like, you know what? That person just never heard no, or that person is not surrounded by people who are willing to check them. And so I think people can also notice it if you are really surrounded by people who are not there to really lift you up in the best sense, even if it means. Putting you down a little bit, <laughs> so.
3: and the other part is just work ethic. You know, you know, we all know it. You know, when you're, when you're covering entertainment celebrity news, like you know who's always late, who doesn't show up, who doesn't really want to work hard, and then who is just has impeccable work ethic that they never stop working. That you, it's actually easier working against them than it is for them because their requirements are so high. The bar is high. The standard is excellent. You know, you know that that kind of work ethic is going to always produce results. Plan the work. Mm -hmm. I think you've been in the game for 20 years, but
1: one of the things we're talking about on this podcast a lot is finding balance and people who have worked themselves too hard, Black women embracing rest. Where are you personally in that journey? especially when you're at a new company, newish, doing amazing big things?
3: Probably what I struggle with most. (laughs) I am not an expert on that one. I'm expert on a lot of things. You know, the challenge for me in that is that I love what I do so much that it's hard for me to take a break because I'm so excited about what I'm working on, you know, that it often, I know this sounds cliche, does not feel like work. Because there's nothing else that I'd rather be doing. So it actually sometimes can kind of annoy me when people are telling me to take a break. Because like this is where I sometimes find respite. You know what I mean? Because being in a creative place and allowing my imagination to run and things like that is something that feeds me. Kind of like... You know, for me being on the island more than two or three days, I'm pretty much done. You know what <laughs> I mean? I, I, and, I, and I've and i been to them all, okay? But I just really do enjoy the work that I do, right? And I think you have to find that about about yourself. I used to be stressed out about resting. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, my God. I feel seen. <laughs> because
3: people would... <laughs> People would be saying to me, oh, I need you to rest. And I would be like, oh, my God, you know, like forcing myself almost. And I'm like, oh, this is so uncomfortable because I just want to be writing. Or I just, you know, because that's like the good when I get to get rid of like all of the boss stuff and really sit down and write and ideate like that's the jam for me. Right. Like that's really the fun part. And that was the biggest hurdle for me in crossing over from being a producer for so long to be an executive, is that I never wanted to be like just that annoying executive that just like Monday morning quarterbacked and gave people notes. I love working with producers. I love working with editors. I like to be a part of the creative process. At the same time, I have to spend a lot of time in my executive role or we won't have all of this. Right, you know, and so I've spent a lot of time this last year really just building, literally building this from scratch. You know, when we first got to this building, like it was embarrassing, but we had to build it almost brick by brick to get it to where it is now. But the creative part, which is how I end up working every weekend, is like, that's the fun part. So please don't take it away from me, you know, like, I mean, <laughs> you know, so I mean, you know, every, and everybody knows, you know, I think there are, you know, I'm like, uh, I work myself into oblivion then I like I will hibernate for a day. I'm like, I'm done. This is it. No one called me. I shut my phone off. I'm done for this day. I veg out for that day. But I just really just like love the work. Like really love the work. You know, and I and, and it's not lost on me what a blessing that is. I mean sometimes I want to pinch myself because I know everybody doesn't get that. But I really do love it. Yeah.
0: I love that. Well, we have a question we ask all our guests who join us. You've answered no it in a lot of ways throughout, <laughs> throughout this podcast, but we'll hit it to you straight. What is your dream for Black women?
3: I would say, like, today is that Black women receive the credit that they deserve. There's something about just acknowledgement that is really special. And I think that a lot of the pain of being... A black woman has come from people just not seeing our our worth. It's one thing for us to know it, but for it to be acknowledged, I think, in a and not in a trite way, in a way where people really go, "Wow, they actually really built this." I think we need we need that credit. It's coming. And I, and I don't think it's far away for black people and then specifically for black women. But I think we need that. We need it from black men and we need it f- collectively from the world at large. But the credit, the acknowledgement. Thank you. The thank you.
0: Mm, I was going to ask the sub question, like, what does that credit really look like? So it could be as simple as thank you. Yeah. The gratitude,
3: yeah. you know, and because black we're ready to say you're welcome. OK. right? We need We need to hear. Thank you yeah Yeah. thank you mm-hmm. for all those things that we do thank you yeah we need to hear it it's true
1: well Monique thank you for your time your wisdom and also for all the work you're doing at revolt on behalf of the black community in general but black women specifically and I heard you say
3: build it brick by brick
1: so I know that it took a lot of work so thanks for taking so much time with us today
0: thank you guys proud of you Now that's a wrap for our guests, but not for our episode. Keep listening as we share our insights and all our thoughts on what we just discussed. So you know what, Ty, let's hop right into it. This is MTM Reflections, where we debrief our segment. We talk about the guests, we talk about our own opinions, and we talk about some facts on these topics that we know are super important to you, to us, and to the culture. Black women, just give yourself a round of applause, okay? (laughs) That was so inspiring, wasn't it? It was. She's a
1: force of nature and I have so much respect for her. I wanted her to tell us like one juicy secret about one person, but that's how you stay in the game for 20 years is you don't tell secrets like
0: that. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That's such a good point. I feel like sometimes... I have to pinch myself to say everything that she's talking about when it comes to revolt applies to us, Ty. Like literally this is, we're a part of that movement that she's speaking about. And I think everyone who's listening is a part of that movement because you're helping to elevate and amplify black voices, black female voices. And to just see like how much of an effect it's really happening on the culture, but also just moving the media landscape forward is incredible to just be a part of. So that was amazing. And just to hear it from literally the, the president's mouth, like, what does revolt have to say when it comes to obviously the nonfiction part of um, Black women, but I think really just, it's such an important aspect of the media landscape right now. How do we talk? How do we feel? Like, how, how are we for real,
1: you know? I wondered the whole episode I was looking at you, I was like, Akila, are you like looking into your future? <laughs> you know, she's been in the game 20 years, you've been on both sides of, you know, media but corporate and now in front of the camera. I'm wondering, did you see a little bit about like what's next for
0: you? Honestly, when she was talking, I was like, first of all, yes, I feel completely seen when it comes to just really being in a situation where you're you're loving what you, you do, right? And how that really looks, how the, do you still achieve the quote unquote work-life balance? But I think she is just on her own terms. And so that's what was refreshing to see. It's not like she's haggard or really stressed out or things like that in the worst way. It, it was really just living her life the, by her choosing. And I think that's what we expect all Black women or ask of all Black women to do, but we're then surprised when they do it their way. And so I loved seeing that. And I I can only hope that's me looking into my future, right? <laughs> I can only hope. So that was, that was great. Don't forget the little guys,
1: all right? I know.
0: <laughs> How are we going to be walking into that future hand in hand shouting monuments to me? Shouting black women and those who love black women.
1: <laughs> There's something she said where she was like, This is centered around black people, but those who love them and those who and I was like, That's the tagline Akilah created. So you're on to something. You're on something.
0: <laughs> the girls that get it get it.
1: <laughs> yes. This week, what is your dream for black women?
0: That's a tough one this week, right? This week, I guess my dream for Black women is for us to just recognize the renaissance women that we are. We keep saying that we're in such a renaissance time, we're in such a renaissance period when it comes to just Black women being at the forefront. But we're at that time and at that period because Black women, uh, some Black women, recognize that they are Renaissance themselves. And so I kind of feel like my wish is for most Black women or all Black women just to recognize the change and the change provokers that we really do, we really are on a daily basis just by walking, breathing, loving on ourselves and wanting to share that experience with the world. So
2: Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
0: I'm hoping more Black women tap in because the revolution is now. What's your dream, Ty? This week, my dream,
1: based on that beautiful conversation we just had, based on the cancellation of the cross-connection My dream for Black women is for Black women in media specifically that they get the credit that they deserve and the space to be free. So this is a specific dream for Black women in media and just knowing how hard it is. So it's a special thank you and a special wish for them.
0: Yes, yeah, special thank you and wish. I love that. Well, y'all, thank you so much for tapping in. Let us know what you learned today and and how excited you are about Revolt, about us, and about just the Black Women Revolution overall. Follow us on Monuments to Me on our Instagram. We have our personal Instagrams also listed below. Tap into this episode and more. Uh, subscribe. Tell a friend to tell a friend, and really just help us win today and in the future. Mm-hmm. Thank you for tuning into Monuments to Me. A special thank you to Revolt for
1: creating the space for Black women to have important conversations.
0: If you liked what you heard today, and we are so sure that you did, then subscribe, leave a review, and tell a friend to tell a friend about your new favorite podcast. Head over to
1: Revolt.com to stay connected to all things Monuments to Me. And follow your hosts, Ty and Akila, on Instagram. The link is in the show notes. There's nothing better than feeling comfortable in your own shoes, and that doesn't mean flopping down on the couch with bunny slippers. Maybe you're a parent raising a little rock star, or a tech nomad working from anywhere and jumping from one thing to the next. Whoever you are, Allbird wants you to be comfortable in your actual shoes too. Their wool runners, pipers, and loungers are designed for a level of coziness that makes you feel like you can do anything. You might even forget you're wearing them. And their shoes are so stylish, they go perfectly with a wear-whatever-I-want attitude. Allbirds is all about loving Mother Nature, too, because no one wants to leave a bad footprint. Each shoe is carefully crafted from natural materials that tread lightly on our planet. From ZQ-certified Merino wool to a bouncy midsole made from sweet foam, the world's first carbon-negative EVA material made from sugar cane.
3: Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light.
1: When something happens to your kitchen, you might say,
4: This is ludicrous.
1: But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous.
0: Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holler at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
1: That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us.
4: Thanks, Mr. Chris.
1: No matter how
3: ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois.